Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is me, Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. And in today's show, James and Paul only will be discussing the um, Dynamo Zagreb beating Arsenal 3, Dynamo Zagreb nil, and what a difference a few days make. Elliot cannot be with us because unfortunately he is ill at the moment, so get well soon, Elliot. And Tim had guests around, so... Um, Recording the podcast is going to be a bit difficult, so we're going to have the duo discussing the um, great victory, excellent victory, at the Emirates on Tuesday night. Our football was much slicker, much quicker, and uh, we played really well. Probably our, our, our best performance for a while. Yes, you can take into consideration the opposition, but as we've seen, even against poorer sides, when we're not on our game, we find it hard to um, beat anybody, really. But... That wasn't the case on in midweek. I thought we passed the ball really well. Urza was magnificent. Sanchez was magnificent. And when those two are playing so well, then you know you're all gonna have a chance. That's really exciting. Yeah, there's gonna be many of that discussion on the podcast, so I won't go into it too much now. But yeah, I really enjoyed Alexis moving into the into the middle for that brief spell. And I loved Urza's performance overall as well. Wonderful showing. Let's hope that kickstarts our season because last few weeks has been a bit iffy. But we look, we look a lot better, and hopefully we can continue that on the weekend against Norwich City. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to pass you on to the guys and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision Podcast. This is Paul, a.k.a. Poznan in my pants, for the Thanksgiving Day Dinamo Zagreb 3-0 trouncing at the Emirates review. So, Alas, Elliot is heavy with flu, while Tim is heavy with soiree. So it's just me and James. Yes, a welcome return from James. Now, uh, I've just actually reviewed the recording of the pod, and given that it was just me and James, and actually I'm recovering from a cold, um, it got a little odd at times, but we had fun. Hopefully you will too. Welcome back, James. Good to be back, Paul. Yeah, we missed you. We haven't heard from you for a while. I know. I've been in the uh, the dark dungeons of, of work and tied up for quite a while, but it's. Uh, I'm glad that we could finally arrange a, a pod where I uh, where I can make an appearance, albeit without uh, both Tim and Elliot on this occasion. Yeah, serious career man these days. Of course, it doesn't help Linus's theory that you and Tim Stillman are the same man, seeing as, uh, you know, you're here and he's not. One more time, suspiciously. <laughs> Indeed, I'm sure one of these days we will seek to disprove such a theory, but for now, the rumours will but continue to spread. Yeah, so I'm not so sure. Anyway, on with the game. So uh, let's start with the lineup. Uh, in I guess in in some ways you could say, yeah, it was a pretty obvious lineup, but I'll throw a couple at you. Um, so Gibbs started the last game, and Campbell, you could say, was dropped. Um, mm-hmm. he, he then played 12 minutes or I don't know what it was exactly against uh, WBA missed a sitter Wenger had a meltdown on the touchline now he did do uh, we did discuss on the pod he did have a couple of good runs and a couple of moments but really he was only on the pitch for a few minutes and only did a couple of things and he's back in the starting line so that was one interesting piece obviously we got Flamini in there as our new DM 
That was kind of an obvious call, but I guess there were options. And then I guess the other interesting ones across the back, you had Bellerin, uh, who apparently had, he's been having a niggle for a while, and he had a niggle uh, during the game and probably before the game. Um, And you also had, you know, Monreal, Gibbs. You had some options there. Uh, Obviously, there was the good old days with Ospina when we might play him against Dinamo Zagreb. But uh, what were your thoughts on the lineup? Um, the only one was the Gibbs Campbell um, change that was up in the air. I wasn't sure if the Gibbs decision against West Brom was one that sort of displayed Arsenal's lack of faith in Joel, um, perhaps rewarding Gibbs for his goal against Tottenham and his, his performance during that, that sh- short cameo. Uh, perhaps with hindsight now, with Campbell having coming right back in, despite, uh, albeit a small period of time, not having a great, <laughs> um, putting on a great show in the final uh, minutes against West Brom, that one chance in particular. Perhaps it was just, you know, given it was an away game, given the type of match we were facing against West Brom, he felt um, more secure playing a, a Gibbs-type player. I don't know. Um, but it was a little strange for Joel to come right back in. Um, but given the way that we, we knew we were going to attack them from the off, um, we were going to pen them back at home, maybe he felt Campbell just provided more of a goal threat, more uh, uh, more attacking dynamism going forward, yeah. um, which, of course, proved to be true. Um, you know, With regards to the other positions, I think Flamini was um, you know, was always going to be the player to come in to, to fill the vacant spot um, of Coughlin and, and Arteta. And Bellin... Did he have a niggle? I, my impression of his quotes was more that you know he's only recently come back from an injury, thus he... No, he um, definitely talked about a niggle, because certainly one he had during the game, because he said something... He's fascinated by Bellerin's small groin, and said something that he had a... Something about a, an issue to do with his groin, and then he said he had to take them off. I was like, oh, holy shit, that's a little old school. <laughs> Poor fella. <laughs> But I think he meant two players because he was explaining his two subs. But there was definitely he explained that and he explained uh, Olivier had a bit of an ankle issue, and he was being cautious with both of them, something like that. That's why he didn't bring right. off Sanchez. Blah blah blah. Right, and he rested Sanchez by bringing him into the middle. Of course, I mean, you yeah. know, I, uh, he got a fantastic rest during that period of time. Sanchez. Too, so. <laughs> that was pretty funny in the press conference. Uh, I don't know if you saw it when he said uh, that. Uh, he he gets tired when he takes him off. He rests when he plays him. So the, the journalists <laughs> seem to find that was funny. I mean, there's probably, I mean, it's obviously not physiologically true, but it might actually be somewhat mentally true. I was saying on Twitter that, um, you know, where does Sanchez get his uh, energy from? I think he imagines playing with his two bounding Labradors or whatever they are. In his head when he plays, his two dogs are running alongside him invisibly as he bounds around the pitch, because it's the only explanation for that man's energy. I mean, he's just, he's unreal. So, we had, uh, we've enjoyed Arsenal winning, and we've seen Arsenal losing recently. I've come to the conclusion I much, much more enjoy the winning. Uh, I can't understand why people didn't come along to this game. I mean, there were a lot of empty seats there. I mean, you didn't get along to the game, did you, James? I didn't, although it was actually the first time since the first game of the season that I was offered um, a ticket from someone I know, which was but an indication that 
the yeah. uh, desire for people to go to the game, which really is a quite an, you know, it's a pretty pivotal game for our uh, exactly. Champions League prospects. Yeah, and it's you know it's it was always likely that... to be a really good game. We had to go at them, and they had to play too. They needed a win uh, too to progress to the Europa League. It was always a candidate for being a really entertaining game. And I th- personally, I thought it was a spectacular game. Well, yes, yeah, certainly from our point of view. I mean, we were we were electric for the large majority of that game. I mean, the, the quick interchange of passing, the way we pressed them high up the field. It, I mean, the intensity in that game relative to West Brom, it was it was it was night and day. Absolutely, um, you know, perhaps part of that also comes down to being back at the Emirates on the clean, um, flat surface um, I think that's a huge part of it Uh, uh, Tim and I talked about it with the West Brown game as not an excuse but an explanation for why it was different I mean you've got to be able to play on these pitches and it's nothing compared to pitches in the 70s and 80s so not in the form of excuse but you know why so different in terms of performance I mean Arson talked in his post-match interview and really what hit me out of that was the plan was to go out there and play fast and move the ball and you could do that with the Emir- at the Emirates and you just couldn't do it at West Brom I mean I kind of had a series of, uh, a running order here but screw that um, you look at the first goal that goal never happens against West Brom no matter how good our players are Santi digging the ball out of that corner in the back uh, the quick one-twos the triangles zipping across to Flamini the slide rule pass to uh up to Sanchez. I mean, it just doesn't happen at at West Brom. Um, whereas here, right from the off, uh, we were at them, and you know Campbell had a great he, he did he had a great game, but he had a great start to it. Uh, Ozil creating stuff, creating trouble, um, and you know a good, really good twenty eight minutes of the start of it without a goal. But you know it, you see those movies where like. Paris is like uh, it's really about Paris or it's really about the desert or it's really about Africa no matter what the story is and for me this was a game that was really about the Emirates versus West Brom you know the the, the central pivotal character in this was the, the snooker table smooth surface that allowed us to play one electric game that, that was kind of my I don't normally focus on the Emirates but having puzzled over why we were so shite, especially in the first half till we got going at West Brom. I really you really kinda think, wow, that pitch, that's that's what sets us up to play football. Yes. I mean I I, I certainly concur. That being said, I do also feel with this Arsenal side one of the biggest flaws we've had um for a long time is there there does seem to be this sort of mental waiver wavering that takes place given the the type of fixture that uh, we're up against. I mean, this this game was very clear um, in the minds of the players that this was an absolute must-win. I mean, there was uh, there was no other way of, of slicing it. And we generally tend to be a team that when under that kind of cost, we, we bring a different type of performance, a different type of intensity. It's not something even, you know, we, we've seen it against, you know, plenty of times at the Emirates where we, we've still put in quite sluggish performances where we, haven't quite been at the races for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and we've even seen games, sorry, I was just going to say, we've even seen games where we were at the races and then lost focus. I mean, didn't we go up 3-0 against Anderlecht 
and cock that up. Uh, and here we go, three. And you can say, oh, it, you know, there's probably a part of us that says, oh, it's only uh, Dinamo Zagreb. But it was only Anderlecht. These teams are all good. They all have talent. They all have young players trying to make a name for themselves. Uh, three of the four players who did the most running on the day uh, were from Zagreb. I do wonder where they got all that energy from, but I'm not going to spend too mm. much time pondering that. <laughs> um, guess Indeed. who Guess who did more running on the day than anybody else on the pitch? Uh, and I apologize for doing this to you, you, you do this, you, you do this to me every quiz. time, Paul. And, and it's every not fair. Every time. It's, uh, it's question time. Um, it's, it's that part of the pod, huh? Yes. 51-51, um, undefeated. Well, I listen, I, I wasn't... I, I, you could have, you could have given me the chance, but uh, you know that that hint is a uh, is a blessing. And I, Matthew Flamini is is his name, I believe. The, yeah. Uh, the the terrier in midfield. He was number one. But, then they had the next three spots, and then I think it was Cazorla, and then maybe they had one, and then it was Ozil. Um, isn't an element of that quite worrying? Um, in the sense, you wouldn't expect, you know. A Cochrane, for example, I don't know his, his statistical numbers, but I wouldn't expect his numbers to be high because you would expect him to maintain a, a fairly, you know, sort of small radius yeah. of, uh, yeah. of areas of the pitch that he actually runs into. That kind it, of it, indicates more of a box-to-box type yeah. um, statistic, which you know maybe in this type of game is is somewhat feasible. Yeah, no, I think a, that's a really interesting point. I. Um, and one, honestly, one I missed, because um, I guess I associate him with, with quite a bit of travel. I mean, what was interesting was they got that dig in on Alexis early on. They, it was a Pinto or somebody need him in the game, tried to give him a dead leg. And because uh, I was trying to work out why did Flamini go flying into a challenge when there was no need? You know, the one that could have been a yellow card. Oh, it was up down their end. But yeah, it was within, flying in. within the first, with, you know, it was quite yeah. early on in the game. And it's not like we needed it. I mean, we were all over them and we had them and stuff. But the thing is, you never know what he's seen on the pitch. You might have seen that and a couple more digs at Alexis and a couple of more other things. And, yeah, you don't want him taking a yellow and we would have been all, you know, getting all high and mighty against him. But he is the score settler out there. I take it they were doing plenty of kicking when they got a chance. And he went piling in and, and left his mark on the guy. <laughs> it was, I mean, you you could hear it all, uh, through the TV set. I mean, he really clattered into him. But, uh, you know, I mean, he was all action. But I guess they all find their own balance. You know, him and Santi are not going to be quite the same as him and, and the cock. And uh, that's how they're finding their balance. But, y- you know, you could also say that Cazorla does have the tendency to be this. You, you think of DMs in... in in one mold, but they're not really. Cazorla is often the guy who hangs back and uh, holds on to the ball and controls the play, and I guess Flamini is finding his own balance. Yeah, I mean, he's becoming the more and more of that, you know, the, the role we associate with with Andrea Perlo. I mean, he, he does like to be deeper and deeper. We we rarely see him as far the, as the, the pitch as even, say, you know, last season and, and the seasons prior. Uh, maybe... He's, you know, he's, he's realised that his, his shooting um, skills are not, you know, despite how technically gifted he is. I mean, perhaps he's, he's as equally, if not more so, frustrated than we are having to continuously watch him, um, 
you know miss miss the target as as frequently as he does and as as I say you know what that that part of the game is no longer for me I'm I'm uh, I'm going to stick to the whole distributing aspect yeah. and uh, um <laughs> a part of the game he does quite excellently in fact so um yeah I I I I I understand, I see what you're saying and but I do fear my fear is that against the bigger teams where we're not where we don't dominate the ball as much and um and really have um, a grapple hold of the of the match in in the way that we we did on you know on this occasion at home against a, a Dinamo team that we you know which we, we demonstrated with the side we we really shouldn't have dropped points to away from home. Yeah. Um you know, we're not gonna have quite that luxury. I guess the you know, on the other side you you associate with a thirty one year old you know, perhaps their technical skills don't don't drop so much that you know they, if anything they they continue to gain experience. But you know, you see, as we see with Arteta, you, you know that their legs go. But you don't really see that with Flamini. He, he seems he is full of energy. Um, yeah. That statistic demonstrates um, you know that that in a in a nutshell. But also when you if you just watch him, he he doesn't look like you know one of the oldest players on the pitch. He's 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 well up for the game. So he's he's clearly someone that um, looks after himself well and he. He hasn't suffered from from that side of things just yet, and I assure you, I am touching all the wood in my uh, current abode as oh, I dear. say these things. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I tell um, you, tell you the one of the moments I loved, and there were a few great ones in this game, was uh, Flamini charging into the six yard box when Ozil had the the ball and took a shot on goal from a really good position, and Flamini's throwing his arms, <laughs> remonstrating around to his best mate Ozil that he didn't pass to him. I'm like. I'm like, Flamini, Ozil was in a great spot, and you're Flamini. Now, of course, he is the Flamini who scored against Spurs twice, but anyway, I thought that was pretty funny that he was up there throwing his arms around. You're the bloody DM. You know, he's the one who's supposed to be banging the ball in the net, but that was kind of a funny moment. But yeah, he's he's all-action style. But, I mean, to be fair, he has plenty of experience playing in our midfield, and I do think he's had a bit of a a rough ride on Twitter. Um, Here's a little quiz for you again because I'm a bully like this. So I, in fact, we may have talked about this before, but guess how many games Flamini started last season? Um, let's, say, let's say 15 games, all comps. 21. Now, I'm going from memory. I haven't looked it up for a while, but I believe it was 21, and he had 10 substarts. So he played in 31 games for his last year. So, um, I mean, he's no n- newbie, kind of to our point of being worried about him. You know, he didn't really get sent off last year. He really didn't have a yellow card problem last year. Um, he was involved in a lot of games. You know, Elliot pushed back on pushed back on my now fifty one games undefeated for Matthew Flamini at the Emirates in a row. With uh, you know uh, how uh, over how long a period of games or a period of time is that? But you know, and also you know, it wasn't our most illustrious phase last year. But it was a phase in which he won all his games at the Emirates, and there were various reasons why the first of our half of our season wasn't great. And I don't think they all start with Flamini. Yes, Cochrane made a big difference, but we also know that the returning players and the consistency and our back four or five get themselves sorted out and. In, and in a, a frame of mind to be consistent made a big difference. So it'll be interesting to see how good he can be. Um, but, I, I mean, he had a really good performance, don't you think? Yeah, I, th- I thought he played very well, actually. I mean, I'm I'm not... Here's the thing. I, I've always attested to the fact that I think 
keeping Flamini as a as a third choice defensive mid was was a wise move. I I don't actually I certainly don't rate him as as lowly as as mu- much of the fan base do. That being said, the issue comes now is really is he a player with enough quality in that position to to hold that spot for the kind of time period we're we're looking to now. You know, you pres- at two yeah. games a week. At two games a week. I mean, at even. 31. Even if you assume that he's able to maintain the fitness levels, I just worry for the big games. I do think, you know, as good as he looks in a game like this, which, as we've discussed, is is probably one that is going to suit him quite well. I mean, he like he does like to to charge forward, even even as a defensive mid when he finds the right opportunity. This is the kind of game where we're we're rarely exposed at the back. Um, we kept our structure and we push we pressed very high i mean dinamo really struggled to to create opportunities so we we were rarely under the cosh um and you know if you look if you look back to especially away games you know away games i felt it is really where cockline comes into his own you know if you if you think back to the types of games where you, where you just see like flamini pointing and shouting but not leading by example in the way that he performs um and the gaps sort of appearing in in those mm-hmm. tougher Games where we really don't, where we don't retain possession quite as well. Um, yeah, I think, we that, do I, I think that's periods. yeah. I think that's really fair. Uh, I, I guess what I'm crossing my fingers for is in a better, more settled team this year. Those gaps appear less often and are less big. But we're going to have to have another option. I mean, Wenger was talking about buying during the during the, win, uh, the winter window, as I guess he always does. If the quality's there, but it seemed a firmer yes, though you you generally see his tone change at different times as the winter approaches, warms up, cools down, warms up again, cools down, depending, I I guess, if they think they have a line on somebody. But a nice Gabriel-type signing from Spain would be very nice from a team that knows they're not going to win and knows they're not going to lose the league. And we steal him in, in January to do the... The Cockland kind of thing would be very nice to think. So I have a radical suggestion that I know everybody's going to poo-poo, as as you English people say. Um, so here it is. Now, it's radical, so you're not going to like it, but it doesn't mean it's not a good one. It doesn't mean it is. So here's my okay. radical suggestion for DM. Bring it Kishelny. on. Wow. You've really fallen into the uh No, no, no. You've really you've really fallen into the I've really fallen into the <laughs> l- l- right, so you. This... Let me give you a little bit of rationale. What is it that Coquelin can do that Kishelny can't? Is it uh, are we are we doing rhetoricals now or are we going back to quiz time? The, uh, no, we're doing <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Nothing. So defensive, so young and so defensive. No. We're having a bit of a chat about it. Here's my provocative question. What skill or ability does Coquelin have that Koscielny doesn't? Well, here's the thing. First of all, when you play defensive mid, I mean, it's a very different positional type of game. I mean, your your body yeah. shape is, 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 is often positioned in a, in a very different manner to that of yeah. the yeah. other centre-back. Koscielny yeah. is often the, the aggressor of the two. Yeah. Centre backs. I would off. I would. You know, a lot of the defending you actually do as a defensive mid is, is occupying space, yep. um, making things more difficult for the way your um, mm-hmm. opposition midfielders are able to break into the back line. Koscielny yep. of the two centre backs generally tends to be the one that um, it, to be to be the aggressor of the two. You know, his interception rate is is phenomenal. 
Um, he's often As the is one Kyle that... Oh, no, absolutely. Listen, but I think... As a like-for-like <laughs> replacement. Because I think where people go is, oh, well, we had this debate about Vermalen, blah, blah, blah. But Vermalen was a bit shit. He, you know, they... I mean, he was good at times, and he had good games. But he was also a bit of a liability, which is not what you want to DM. He had physical attributes to be a DM, but he didn't have the mental ones. I, I would maintain that Koscielny has all of the mental attributes. He has focus... He has positioning. He has smarts. Uh, he certainly has every physical attribute, the, the quickness, the tackling, the intercepting. You know, he has all of that aspect of it and all of the smarts to go with it. He knows where it's to be. He's just as quick. We got Gabriel. Uh, I don't see it as a long-term solution. But, but, but you know, you know I, I appreciate the theory behind it. Good. Um, and we are Good. but theorizing. Now, oh, now moving on. We, to are, the, no, no. <laughs> we are but theorizing. We are. You know, there's also there's also an aspect of of it that comes with just experience of playing a position. There, you know, there are parts of a game that you that are just you know if you throw someone like a Koscielny, whatever you say about his attributes, there are going to be moments in games that he just will have never he will never have faced before in 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 that position. Like there are things that sure. he would have to deal with that are constantly going to be new to him. Okay. But was not, you know, perhaps was that he, not it, largely true of, say, a player like Emmanuel Petit or Gilberto or these guys who got uh, repositioned at some stage? And conversely, what are our other choices? You know, Cazorla, Ramsey is a choice, but it doesn't really work. Uh, at least maybe not to the level we needed to against the big teams. So anyway, I'm just floating it out there as a as my rogue idea that I still haven't worked out. I, I agree in terms of experience and you've got to learn the position and can he learn under fire in a critical season? And I'm not saying we don't go out and sign somebody. Just saying. But more importantly, though, really, is he is, you know, of our four defenders, he is, uh, um, he is our most important. And as soon as you take him out, you know, we've, we've actually seen, although Gabriel is, is a far more similar type of defender to Koscielny, We've looked far more comfortable as a back four when it's been Gabriel alongside Koscielny um, or Mertzak alongside Koscielny than when Gabriel has been um, been placed alongside Pair. And of course, I mean, the, these relationships, um, especially amongst defenders, take, sometimes take time to, to develop and to become more fruitful. But I, I think the sacrifice of taking Koscielny out of that centre-back partnership would also be a major deficit that would be encumbered with. Obviously, I mean, that being said, with Chambers as a possibility at defence mid, I'm, I don't know how convinced I am by that. I'm not very I know convinced he's been in the short term. I think, I think that's a l- big ask. And I think he's he, clearly, he's a bit overwhelmed by uh, his responsibilities and the pace of the game generally at the moment, more than I, physically. So- I totally agree. I mean, in fact, I think his attributes are fairly well suited to it. His distribution, when he's had a run of games and when he's confident, is is excellent. And he obviously has various defensive um, attributes that complement the position well. I just I fear that to put him in such a pivotal position for the team, um, given his his general attitude, he, he comes across as quite a shy. Um, you know, he hasn't quite matured as someone who I, 
I feel would really sort of take that opportunity with both hands and really believe that he, he, he could be the man to sort of take that position in a club like Arsenal just yet. Well, the um, amazing thing is it's there for him. I mean, Arsene can look him straight in the face and say, you know, you, you'll get a chance at some stage, and boy, it's there for you if you step up. So it'll well, be very he's interesting for him. He's, he's certainly talented. I, yeah, I'd be concerned by it, but I mean, I think you know, concerns are also brought in when you play matches. The one thing I will say about this DM position um, given we're on the subject, is I think it's obviously a position Arsenal's been looking at um, closely. I would hazard a guess that he had tried to bring one in over the summer. Um, I mean, he's definitely planning on bringing one in at the very least this coming summer was uh, going into this season, given Arteta and Flamini's contracts both are due to run out. Um, so I would imagine already going into this window, he's got a couple of players in mind. You know, last summer was probably partly down to availability. Yeah, maybe like Montreal, where they said they moved for him early because they had the need, because Santos was shit. Um, maybe a player that they have their eye on for the summer, like you say, they can move for. They can do a Malaga and uh, move him forward. Um, right, and right. The, wor- the worry is actually coming in January. Is you know I I think the biggest where where we really see perhaps the deficits of of playing someone like a matcher is, is any type of away game, um, and of course you know you, your your city are coming up at home in January with Stoke away, Liverpool away, um, which I, under Jurgen I could really see being a um, the exact type of game where if, if we're not defensively um, disciplined etc could become exposed and then Chelsea at home towards the end of that month so. Yeah. You know, it, there's also more pressure on on if we're going to bring someone in to do it earlier in the window. And as yeah. we know, even oh. when we have done business in January. Oh, you and your reality. Anyway, I was just floating out the Koscielny idea, who would be available and ready, because I've heard Arson does actually listen in on this pod. I mean, he's, he's 24-7 at Colney doing football stuff. There's only so much you can do. So um, anyway, I, I just floating that one out for you, Arson, to ponder over i've had worse ideas believe me anyway let's treat ourselves james do you have your arsenalist.com window open there i do indeed paul i do indeed good man good man right so i'm going to hit the play button and we'll watch we'll treat ourselves by watching the first goal are you ready all right I, i hit play so there's santi he's knocking around in the corner bellerin ozil Giroud. Santi gets it back, digs it out of there. I don't know anybody can do that like Santi does. Flamini with the slide rule pass. Now, the interesting thing is he pushes, pushes Alexis out to the left. It mightn't been quite a slide rule as he likes, forcing Alexis to look up, who spots Ozil, who has literally run the length of the pitch because it, it actually starts with that movement with uh, Ozil behind Santi looking upfield. He's the only guy who looks upfield we don't even have the ball at that point. Bellerin has almost lost the ball in passing it to Campbell, who kind of sticks out a leg and pokes it at Santi. And already Ozil looks up field, and uh, he's looking for the break. We haven't even got the ball properly at that stage. And the interesting thing when you watch uh, Ozil is he's been tracked by one of the Dinamo Zagreb guys who's clearly busting his hump to run as fast as he can, and Ozil is pushing past him. But people will still think Ozil was only jogging. But uh, I mean, I, I, 
Yeah. I think, you know, Ozil's going at pace, but I don't think he's even going at full throttle. I think he's somewhat holding his run in order to stay on side. So, in fact, the you know, one of the bigger aspects of that goal and one of the more important points of it is is the run that Giroud makes quite late to the near post yeah. as he drags that centre-back away that it's creates a big all deal. the space. I think it's a really interesting point on the running at full speed because I don't even I think it's football running I don't think they ever look like they're running at full speed Theo doesn't and I think it's just Mm. the nature of high speed running in football you got to keep your arms and legs kind of if they're flailing all over the place you're about to be a very bad footballer I think they do this tidy run which is you know it's a gallop but it's a really fast gallop nobody has the arms pumping like you kind of think they would. I, I've often wondered about that because that other guy looks like he's busting his hump. His his arms are going because he doesn't think he's about to see the ball. So he's like trying to run as fast as humanly possible and yet Ozil's still pulling away from him. But Well, here we are delving into the intricacies, of course. I mean, that, that being said, I think his run, he starts very much at full pelt from the halfway line. And I think as he sees, you know, respect in respect to where he is related to the ball. I think he, there are moments where he, where he holds the run ever so slightly in yeah, order to keep yeah, himself on side. He does. And, and in, in order to sort of time the run to match that of the pass. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, 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 if you were to average it out, he's probably hit he's probably hit 90% over the course of that run. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, anyway. hope, I hope for the listeners' sake that they've managed to find this video <laughs> in order to follow up. What the bloody hell we've been talking about. <laughs> Because <laughs> even with the video in front of even with the video in front of me, I've been struggling to keep up. Yeah. So. Imagine if you will. But anyway, I, I, it's uh, it's the little things, isn't it? So uh, anyway, hell of a goal. So I maintain things. that goal. As I said before, that goal doesn't happen at West Brom. It only happens at somewhere like the Emirates. A superb little little piece of play. Now, five minutes later, have you got your Arsenal Arsenalist dot com? Right, let's go on to goal number two. I'm I'm plugging away with this experiment, whether you guys like it or not. Right, goal number two. Let's hit the play button. Go. Oh, my play button didn't go. Oh, all right, there we go. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a great little experiment, Paul. So, yeah, it's a terrible experiment. So it's the counter-press in action. I don't think we meant to be counter-pressing, but Santi has a go poking it through. Uh, gets intercepted. Now, this reminds me of the Everton goal, um, the one where we were 2-0 up and I was bitching about why we were attacking at half-time when we were 2-0 up um, and Monreal getting too far forward and stuff. He was actually around in the centre-forward position and we were exposed and you know we were all ahead of the ball. Only this time we scored and we weren't 2-0 up and it wasn't just before half-time. So it just goes to show it's narrow margins... Uh, from one game to another, one game situation to another. But I loved what Monreal did on this. I th- I think his per- his perception, his interception, uh, his first touch is skill. His second touch is perfection. I don't know if he meant it to be perfection, but that knock forward of the ball makes the goal. And then the real theme of this for me is uh, Alexis Sanchez, is he our... Sergio Aguero, have we? Did we stop that experiment way too early? I think that was again Everton, two-two uh, against Everton, when we gave him his run at that position. I mean, the second goal and the third goal. If you swapped Sergio Aguero, apart from the fact that this guy is always fit and has bulletproof 
uh, hamstrings. I mean, would you... The space he found, the quickness of his finish. We'll get on to the third goal in in a, in a moment, but that was a on the third goal such a deceptively clever run that made all that space and ran to the keeper. Not many people ran the keeper these days. It's not actually that easy. The keeper has the advantage. I was just gobsmacked by how good Sanchez was. This time, accidentally at centre forward because Giroud's still on the field, and later on as the official centre-forward. What are your thoughts on Sanchez as Aguero? Well, I do think he is very much Aguero in the sense of when he's on, we're on. Mm. Um, and in fact, outside of the Leicester game, you know, that's, a, that's the one real exciting aspect of this side is we haven't really seen Alexi mostly because of this sort of disjointed um, break over the summer and um, the lack of quote-unquote rest that he's had, or, albeit you know, just as you thought he was, he was reaching um, sort of maximum red zone territory. He puts in arguably one of his best performances of the season. Um, you know, he's he's a player that when he's on the song, I mean, we're we're a whole different beast to contend with. And whilst I do agree, I mean, he looked he looked excellent um, playing centre forward again in the in the type of game whereby at that point I think. Dino had lost um, most hope of getting back into it, and um, we had been playing as well as we had been. Um, you know, he's he's such a threat. I mean, his his control the way he, he drives at players and, and the runs he's able to make as he as he did for the third goal. Um, and in fact, his entire all round performance. You know, he got an assist, two goals, set up the the Özil chance where he did the the the, the flick with, with the back of his head. Mm. Um, I mean, he. He was absolutely phenomenal, Alexi. And, uh, and you know, the, further to your the, point with regards... Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, let's, let's not lose sight of the hunchback moment. That was, that was an absolute... Oh, gem. indeed. Hunchbacks well, the, 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 across the, Jesus the world. Moment. Yeah, leapt off the, uh, their sofas as they're finally recognized as having a value in society. Absolute class. <laughs> that guy knows uh, what every bit of his body is doing at every moment. Just incredible. I was just disappointed that he he didn't know exactly where the ball was landing. You know, was landing as it came off his back, and he just didn't run run to it in in one sort of fluid motion. I mean, um, I, that's I what think, I really I expect from Alexi. I think he was thrown off. There was a moment where he lost, it and then he was like, "Holy fuck! It's right where I meant it to be." That shit actually worked. <laughs> um, but back to your point. I mean, that being said, I think when he is on form. He the kind of position he has, the freedom he has from that left wing forward um, spot allows him to act as a centre forward alongside Drew um, and come in more central, especially when the ball goes out to the right. So I, I still think we have that option. It's not but quite the a, problem it's not a strict four three. The problem with that is when we play against uh, West Brom, where they've two lumbering centre backs and they're very organised, and they pin Giroud down. It tends to peer da- pin down. Uh, Sanchez too and and so my question really is why did we stop that experiment against Everton was it just because Sanchez was too goddamn valuable on the left wing and scoring from there and creating from there and we couldn't risk kind of losing that before finding him as a as the the breakthrough Aguero I mean you wouldn't move Aguero out to the left wing uh, to keep Giroud in the middle should we do you, no, but do you they're, think they're, it's they're t- different players in that regard I mean, you know, Alexi, as he even says himself, his favoured position is out on the left. 
Um, and he likes being able to cut inside. So many of his goals when he was on song last season were. But that you know, that wouldn't hold Arsenal back. The carbon back. copy of him shift, shifting him to the no. But what I do think is, I think if Arsenal had a better option out on the left, then I think he'd be more willing to try it. And in fact, what we've really seen is, as you've talked much about, has been the the synergy between Theo and Alexis and the way that they're able to interchange and how that really frees up Alexi. Um, coming well, we're in about to have Ramsey. Ox and Campbell, those are three options. Um, yeah, but, and, and, but, uh, and if you had Aguero at centre Campbell... forward, you'd win the league, correct? If I fit Aguero, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, but that being said, how much faith do I have right now in in Alex, a player that I think has a lot of talent and a lot of potential, um, to come in and and take, make that position his own? I think that that takes some time. I, you know, he's he's a player that, for whatever reason, is despite all the technical capabilities he he possesses, he seems to have struggled to find like a a distinct level of form and and reach the the heights just yet that we we hope we're hoping for. And again, another injury setback might mean it taking he, he he's still going to need to get back, um, get his confidence back up and get his match fitness back up and. And Campbell, like I mean, I you know he's he's a good seventh choice, but he's not a player that I want to be starting to regularly. And and ultimately, it comes down to of that selection. I think I'd rather certainly would rather have Giroud um, up top and playing Alexis that left. And I think that's ultimately been the reason why um, it hasn't been that much of an option because I don't think as of yet that someone like an Alex has, has proved to Arsene that he is able um, he is able to to start ahead of a player like Olivier who. You know, despite the fact that, despite his sort of inconsistencies here and there, um, is a is a much more proven uh, uh, forward. And I think, on you know, perhaps in his mind, and I think that's why what we've seen with the revelation of, of the Theo and Sanchez combo is maybe maybe if Alex does reach the heights that I think we m- many would consider he has the potential to do. Maybe that becomes more of an option. Maybe then you do start considering that, and especially with Ramsey back. Um, yeah. Well, well, Arson, he... if you're listening, and I know you are, I'd like to see Alexis playing up front, and I'd like to see Koscielny at DM with Ramsey on the right wing. And, uh, yeah, if you could make that happen, I'd love to see it. So, anyway. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so then there was that third goal which I quite liked. I know we're jumping around between the goals, but we talked about a lot of other stuff, and there were three absolute beauties. Uh, the ball from Campbell, uh, cool. nice vision. Now, uh, he's done great. He was up against Mattel all game, who's apparently more of a right-back than a left-back, and maybe that showed a little bit and why Campbell looked so good, but he was really good. But that run from Alexis, the way he adjusts the path, uh, first he's got the timing... He's maybe a little lucky on the offside, but hey, that's that's what you want from a striker to to put himself in that situation where he's got nobody known whether he's going to be onside or not on his next run. But that the the path and his adjustment to take it away and around the keeper and the quickness of the feet because he flicks it immediately from one foot to the other to make the space, which gives him the angle. I mean, even as it is, he's still squeezing it in past the post. I mean, it's absolutely Aguero. How is that not Aguero? Both those goals. How is that? How is that not Aguero? That's what he does. Am I wrong? No, I mean, is it? It was an absolutely 
excellent run, excellent. I mean, the the close control between those two touches were were phenomenal, and the you know displayed a truly instinctive centre forward. And of course, I mean his the type of player. If you describe him as um, you know, he's got many of the, he's got many of the equivalent sort of technical capabilities that that Sergio does too. And I I don't I don't fully dis, disagree, but I think he's not. You know, he fully agree. Come on, James. <laughs> Alexi is a player that you know. When you think of Alexi, you think of that you know running down the left, cutting it. But you know, ten out of ten times he cuts back inside. Um, and I always sort of think to that Dortmund goal from last season, where uh, from the edge of the box he he curled it around the keeper. And I think that's um, that's what he loves doing most. And you know, there, there were several occasions as well when when we see him reach top form, the way that he drives drives at the fullback on the right and um, and causes all sorts of problems. So I think, you know, it, perhaps it's it's a nice problem and a nice option for the manager to have, especially given the amount we talk about um, as centre-forward options perhaps being somewhat lacking. I just think, I, I just don't really see us having a left-wing forward option outside of Alexia. Not, not, not a viable one, not for a title-winning side. And certainly not until um, Alex proves to us that he he is a player that um, deserves to be in that starting eleven, and I'm not even sure um, if he's a left winger. I mean, I don't. He's hardly played many games out on the left. He's he's, mo- he's mostly covered as a right winger and prospectively even a some sort of centre mid. So I, I actually think when it comes down to it, unless you want to push Özil out to the left as a possibility, um, I'm not really sure if we have if we have that much choice, frankly. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. But I would like to see if between Theo, uh, Chamberlain, and uh, Campbell, there wasn't a decent option with Ramsey on the other side, Ozil in the middle. Uh, Campbell's done very well defensively. I mean, he got six tackles in as much as anybody. Uh, he's come. All, all, he's he's had hot and, and cooler spots. You know, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a p- player still in there as a utility player on one of the wings. Anyway, I think I've I've worn that one out. Anyway, if you had Aguero, you wouldn't move him to the left wing just because he's good on the left wing. That's my, my final thing, if you're listening, Arson. So, uh, anyway, a lot of fun was to be had in that game. A lot of incidents. Um, any any gems we've overlooked, James? Any, anything you want to delve into we missed along the way? The one thing I will delve into... Just because I, this was this was a game that was so great to see Alexi um, reach the heights that we know we, he can do, and so regularly did last season. It was right towards the end of the game when he, uh, I, I, I don't remember who floated the ball into him, but the way he, t- he took the ball down, beat a defender, and this, I'm talking about the the penalty that should have been. Mm. Um, you know that was the confident, the electric Alexi that I um, that I think of, and I think. You know, having seen that performance, just you know, just what that first goal did for him, and you know, he he got the assist just prior. When Alexi, as I was uh, referring to, when I, when he reaches that kind of um, performance and on a, on a consistent basis, then I think that really could push us forward. You know, it doesn't as long as a, a defensive midfielder in, in Flamini or uh, whoever it is that plays it is good enough. If Ozil and Alexis. As we've seen with Urza throughout the season, if you know if, if Alexis matches that, then it, it's not going to matter too much. I don't think. But most games, they, 
know, they have the capability between the two of them to blow teams away. Um, and I, I really think that we've actually been kind of, you know, skipping through a lot of the season so far with with one um, arm tied behind our back because we we've, we've been without by far and away our best player from last season for um, the majority of it, and not you know, sort of lacking. You know, he hasn't physically been been missing, but I think um, whether mentally or um, or whatever it has been that has been hindering his performances. And you think if he does hit that run, then 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 perhaps we will too. So I think. Um, that's something to look forward to, and hopefully, you know, maybe a game like this is what he needed. Yeah, good point. So, who was your man of the match? <laughs> is that a serious question? Yeah. <laughs> I've just waxed lyrical about Alexi for the past like five minutes, and yeah, um, I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, I, 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 I will use all of my previous. Uh, and wonderful insight to uh, to refer to as to why Alexi was my man of the match. Okay. What I will what I will respond with though is one thing I did find promising is it was good for uh, it was nice to see a player like Hector who I thought struggled quite significantly on his return against West Brom. I thought he yeah. had a good consistent game, and I think it was just the kind of name that game that he needed almost um, just to kind of settle him back into that first eleven because he's been. He's been he's been you know, a huge part of of the, the success of of the opening part of, of the uh, Premier League season thus far, um, and we had looked a much weaker side at the back, um, given the kind of the performance that he had put in um, away from home, yeah. um, and I felt that was um, a much needed uh, sort of positive to come out of the game. I'm not suggesting he sort of he sort of set the game at light, but I thought he had. Uh, much more consistent and solid yeah. performance, which well, can only be good for the side. So I'd go with Ozil, and I just thought he was absolutely spectacular, astounding. He and he could have not only did he have a goal and I guess something assisty, but he, uh, I mean, he could have scored two more easily. Um, he ran that game. I thought he was absolutely sensational, and so I have this thing going through my head at the moment in terms of Sanchez and Ozil because they're really starting to find each other and play with each other and it's almost like Lennon and McCartney you know when I was a kid I thought it was really cool that they wrote all the songs together and then I found out that they actually didn't you know Lennon had write half of them and McCartney had write half of them and then George had bitched that they never used his songs and then they used some of his so Ringo bitched a bit so they played Yellow Submarine God help us all but anyway back to Lennon and McCartney so one had write it, but they'd both... It, it's almost like that at the moment. I mean, they, the way they play off each other, you know, either directly or indirectly, sometimes, you know, they're using somebody in between them, pinging it between Cazorla, etc. Or you got the, the Spanish-speaking left wing with Monreal, Alexis, Cazorla heading over there, and Ozil, who's undoubtedly got a bit of Spanish to him after whatever it was, four years. Um, but the Lennon-McCartney thing between the two of those, I mean... You know, either one's creating and the other one's scoring. Uh, they're making something happen. There's something really huge that uh, you don't see it in every game because so some games it's by narrower margins. But you really saw it. One of the things I loved about that game was you really saw those guys and Cazorla. You know, on another day he would have been man of the match. But Sanchez and Ozil, I thought, were simply outstanding in that game. Now, maybe it w a little bit of it was 
the fact that it was Dinamo Zagreb, but they came to play. They worked their socks off. Uh, we've seen against teams like Anderlecht that just because we should win at the Emirates doesn't mean it's going to be plain sailing. Um, and, you know, they know the dark arts too. They weren't there to make it easy for us. And I just thought those two guys were just freaking Lennon and McCartney, where Ozil's McCartney, by the way, writing yesterday, and those beautiful, smooth, silky ballads that even Frank Sinatra wants to sing, and Sanchez's, you know, rock and chaos, writing revolution and shaking the world up. But I just thought Ozil was outstanding, and for me, slightly pipped Sanchez. And I feel bad about that because, uh, I mean, Sanchez, you know, I, I've just nominated him the new Aguero and, and still given the uh, man of the match to Ozil. But I just thought they were simply outstanding. You, you know, Paul, you're a sick man. I am. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. You managed to, you've mentioned Anderlecht. You managed to mention Anderlecht twice Sorry, guys. in one Sorry. podcast. Sorry, <laughs> but then I, aside, I, I, mean, I just think it's that memory too, is being, too uh, dangerous to say it's si- it was simply Dinamo Zagreb. I think that's. I, I think, no, I I I, I think totally that's a fob. And they, I think Urza was absolutely exquisite. I mean, but at this point, it you, you know you you almost don't need to say anything about Mesut because the, yeah. I mean, for the the entirety of the season he has been phenomenal, um, yeah. and he's been you know, the man of the match. In in the large majority of our games um, throughout the beginning of this season, and I mean he's been an absolute joy to watch. I just I felt for me, I mean it was you know especially because Alexi did get two, got the assist. He obviously played a big part in, in every single one of the three goals. Um, I think it was almost more pronounced just because I've been waiting and waiting for the real Alexi to stand up, um, and we got we got that performance from him. Um, I know, on, and when uh, and when the real night. Alexis stood up, it was Sergio Aguero. Oh no, I'm <laughs> but so what was really interesting about Ozil was both him and the manager talked about him being more aggressive, going after goals and stuff in one form or another, and it was almost like they were disagreeing. Uh, you know, uh, Wenger was saying you know about go- being more aggressive, going for goals, and he'd never seen him kind of attacking the box as often as he does right now. Here's a little pop quiz for you. Is Ozil on target to beat per number of games played? Is he ahead behind or the same as last year in terms of number of goals per game? Per goal? Of goals? Uh, I would certainly guess ahead. Guess what? He's exactly on track. I should have known Isn't it was a amazing? trick question, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's early days. He's whatever. Uh, what do we play? Something like 12 in the league. And uh, like uh, uh, a few, uh, you know, several, whatever it is, four or five Champions League, five, I guess, Champions League games. So it's still early in the season, but he's actually on exactly on track for goals scored. He hasn't, he's only got, I think, three. Uh, where he's really turning it up is on assists. And his it's almost like the two of them are arguing through the press because he's very nicely saying, goals schmoles, he just wants the guy who's in the best position to score. Yes, he's being, yes, he's being more... Uh, f- so what I think is going on is, yes, he is attacking. He is making those runs. He is getting into more aggressive areas. Um, 
and he could have had two more goals yesterday, or yeah, was it yesterday? Yeah, um, to be fair, two days ago. Um, this is Thanksgiving today, um, but it's really showing up by him getting into even more, even better assi- positions to create assists rather than the pass before the pass or chances or waiting. You know, last year we talked about him needing runners and blah blah blah. This year he's kind of his own runner to a greater degree. He's more impactful. His shoulders are bigger. You can see it about him now. He's strutting around the pitch in a very low-key, ozel way. And it's not really showing up in his goals totals. It's showing up across his whole game, his contribution. Even in our bad games, he's he's all in. I thought he was really good against West Brom. I noticed Arsblog gave him five in his player ratings and similarly in other places. And while I understand that, because nobody deserved to get out of that game with higher than five against West Brom, actually our second half was was pretty decent. We just didn't capitalize on it. Uh, I thought Ozil was really good. He was really good again. You know, you name it, against Bayern when we were universally shite. Um, he actually helped us create enough chances to win that game by some it, some weird concoction if we'd put things away and may, maybe got in ourselves a ahead of them with a little bit of luck. I mean, the chances were there to do something because he kept grafting away. He's, he hasn't done that thing where his head went down in former years. And I think that's the change. Not the goals, but his persona. He's further up the pitch. He's more aggressive, and he's making things happen. I just thought he was sensational. And that may be why we win the league this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think actually... One of his biggest criticisms had been that in big games, when we as a, t- as a team had before hadn't performed well, he was quite ostensibly one of the weakest um, perform- uh, performers on the pitch, um, and his level seemingly dropped dramatically whenever um, the team as a whole weren't quite at the races. Um, and you look to you know well, I think of you know you've brought up the end of that game. Well, let me uh, <laughs> let me bring up a couple of other. Uh, Bring out a couple of other skeletons from the closet. Um, you know, you look to the the, the Anfield five one and the and the Stamford Bridge game, and um, you know he was remonstrated quite um, quite heavily following those um, those types of performances. Yet, as you say, I think now he really feels like the man in the team. He um, he feels like the big dog in this side, and and he seems to he seems to really lead the charge. Um, no matter. The performance and and the type of game we're, we're facing now, and, and I think that's a that's a real real big positive. And as I continue to reiterate, once and I think it's only inevitable, but once Alexi reach reaches that that level too, I I, I think will be an absolute joy to watch going forward. Um, and I think that those types of players in a team are can be enough to to hide. The other, as long as the as long as the problems and the the cracks aren't aren't big aren't too big, I think I think they themselves are just are are able to overcome it. So um, here's to hoping that Ozil continues his excellent and exquisite and all the um, adjectives to describe his the wonderful man that he is, um, and that and and Alexi uh, matches it soon. Yeah. Right, well, I think we've uh, we've got our money's worth out of Dinamo Zagreb. Um, what do you think? What are, what do you think the odds on us progressing to uh, the next round of the Champions League and avoiding uh, Spurs Day in the Europa uh, League? Spurs Day. 
What would you put it out? 50-50? Something like that, probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just... I think I said it after uh, we lost the second game. For whatever reason, I just... um, I I, I couldn't have told you what I thought the the exact sort of maths behind it would have been. But I just feel like this team always has a way of, uh, of making it through this stage. And I'd refer to the... Invincibles, um, you know, obviously there was that turning point when they beat Inter Milan 5-1. Yeah. Um, and I just think with the quality we have and the kind of, the ability we have to, to react to that type of game situation, I know, I mean, the association actually is, is the, the sort of glorious failure that um, is now attributed to, to the this, this Arsenal side over the last decade or so. But I, yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll do it. Perhaps, you know, from a bookmaker's point of view, it is, Somewhat close to a fifty-fifty. Olympiacos is um, no easy place to go. No. It's a it's a very hostile. And two goals is a lot. Down. You know they'll be at home. They they could easily nick a goal. It might even might even not be nicking it. So we could well be looking for three goals away, which is a big ask. So it's it's going to be a tough game, but a big psychological boost if we pull it off. So the the uh, game at the weekend, Norwich on Sunday, I believe. Uh, Carroll Road, isn't it? Um, so, Ramsey, do you think? Do you think he'll start him? Is he ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. You go. You play Ramsey. I, you know, he, I think he gave him the the thirty thirty minutes in preparation for. Yeah, Tim thought he'd play against Zagreb, which I thought was a bit aggressive, I th- especially given it's Champions League. And while I think, I, I still think that it's all about the Premier League for us. So, I guess I wasn't too surprised to see him playing if it had been the Olympiacos game at yeah. that exact date relative to when yeah. you know to his sort of like injury progress I think Ramsey would have played um, yeah. but I think he you know he felt that there was enough quality on the side and it was a good opportunity to ease him back into to match fitness but I, I'm, very, I'm convinced he'll, um, he'll start yeah alright well it's Thanksgiving let's wrap this puppy up in bacon and pop him in the oven and uh Let's uh, appreciate that. That was a fun run through. Um, I guess that's it then, James. Thank you very much for uh, sharing the the load today. And uh, up the arsenal. Cheers, Paul. And happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you very much. Off for the turkey. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 